Early in his career, Bill Myers was teaching an ecology course at a research station just south of the Mackinac Bridge. Oh gosh, it must have been about 1985. Before it starts, he goes to the library and reads up on what critters should be around. Then he gets to the station. You know, the first thing I did when I got there was to go out and set some mouse traps and see what was going to be there for my students to work with. And turned out that what I was catching was not what was supposed to be there. In his traps were the wrong kinds of mice, species that should have been living further south, according to what he'd read. So that kind of woke us up, and then I realized that, oh yeah, it's a bunch of southern species that are coming in, becoming really common, and a bunch of northern things that are disappearing. This trend Phil saw back in the 80s has only continued, and it's linked to the spread of Lyme disease. That's carried by ticks who feed on these mice. Today on Points North, how a bunch of little mice that live in the upper Midwest have changed, and why that's good news for ticks and a problem for people. I'm Lexi Krupp. If you go for a walk in the woods, chances are you'll cross paths with a mouse. They're all over the forest. And it used to be that if you lived in northern Michigan or the Upper Peninsula, most of the mice in your neck of the woods were this northern species, called deer mice. Up at the tip of the Lower Peninsula, though, Phil was catching this southern species, called white-footed mice. So he starts a study to track these two species. And I got about two years in, and deer mice disappeared completely. Then a grad student of his goes looking for mice in the UP, by Lake Superior in Alger County. Prior to that time, nobody had picked up white-footed mice, but he did. So we said, aha, let's keep an eye on this. Phil starts trapping mice across the UP year after year, following as these northern mice recede and the southern mice spread. And we actually watched white-footed mice march across Sini, and now they're pretty much all the way across. So yeah, we watched it happen. Now, these two types of mice are hard to tell apart. They look and act pretty similar. But for people, there is one big difference. When white-footed mice, that southern species, is around, there's more Lyme disease. It's this infection that comes from a bacteria living on tiny ticks called black-legged ticks. It causes fever and fatigue and can result in some serious long-term complications. And there isn't a great explanation for why there's more ticks and Lyme disease with this southern species of mice, but here's what might be happening. When ticks hatch, they need to find a meal, and they're just looking for one thing, blood. They don't feed on anything else, so if they don't find a host, they just die. Jean Sow is a professor and Lyme disease expert at Michigan State University. She says these ticks just wait around and hope some creature they can bite will walk by. Often, that's a mouse. As my colleague Graham would say, <laughs> quote him, he would say that whitefoot mice are like the potato chips of the forest. And he's talking about it in the sense that they're good prey items for lots of other predators. But they are because there's so many of them. And here's where the difference between these two kinds of mice matters. The northern species, deer mice, they're conservative about when they breed. In the spring, they wait until they think all the snow and really cold weather has passed. Jean explained this while walking outside her home on an unusually warm day in March. Because if they started earlier, if it was like a nice time like now, you know, we're having 60 degrees down here today, 
And if they had like a freak warm spell up there and the mice had their babies, then those babies might die because, you know, in the UP, you can still have heavy snow in May. The white-footed mice, though, they're risk takers. Once it gets warm enough, they start having babies right away. And this seems to be paying off because winter is ending a whole month earlier than it did just a couple decades ago. That's because of climate change. Researchers suspect that in warmer years, mice can have an extra set of litters. So there are these boom times when there's a lot more mice. And then that helps the black-legged tick because you have more hosts running around to feed the ticks. Those ticks have a better shot at surviving to become adults. That's when they can latch onto people and pass on Lyme disease. Black-legged ticks are now all up the coast of Lake Michigan. They're all the way over to Lake Huron side in some places. It's just spreading outwards. And Jean thinks these ticks and cases of Lyme disease will continue to spread across the upper Midwest. In our field guide today, a very different creature that feasts on mice, snowy owls. The birds can pounce on a mouse scurrying beneath the snow without ever setting eyes on it. Cheryl Bartz of Red Pine Radio explains how the owls hit their mark. Snowy owls have a superpower. It's their hearing. Caitlin Bonnet, director of North Sky Raptor Sanctuary in Interlaken, explains. They can be above and up and in a tree and listen to the critters munching on grass, traveling along their trails underneath the snowpack, triangulate where they are, and then hit them through the snowpack. Owls can triangulate with such precision in part because their ears are asymmetrical. The right ear is a little larger and positioned a bit higher than the left ear. Sound hits one ear before the other, and that helps the owl pinpoint the location of its prey. These lopsided ears don't stick out of their head, Instead, owls have ear holes. Feathers around the hole direct sound waves to the internal ear. An owl's super hearing is also enhanced by the contours of its face. They use their head as a big satellite disc to funnel, their facial disc actually funnels sound into those ear holes, like our ear flaps kind of channel sound into our inner ear. Snowy owls have been sighted throughout northern Michigan this year. If you want to see one before they head back north, Caitlin says, look for wide open fields with high places like trees, billboards, and rooftops where snowy owls like to perch. Then follow her pro tip. I'm looking along the ridge line here because sometimes he looks like a little melty snowman up on top. You can see a photo on the IPR website of Caitlin with a snowy owl she helped rehabilitate at the North Sky Raptor Sanctuary. That's it for our show this week. This episode was produced by me, Lexi Krupp, and Cheryl Bartz, with editing from Max Johnston and Taylor Wisner. Music from Confectionary by Blue Dot Sessions. Have a great weekend, and see you next week.